is Mikey McDowell. This is Garrett Hawkins. Welcome back to episode number three of the Backing Band Podcast. Backing Band Podcast. We're back. In the band. Yeah. Back in the band. <laughs> so what's going on, guys? I mean, we have an overwhelming response. Not like super overwhelming, but really positive feedback on those first two episodes, um, which is super encouraging for us. When did we do those? So... We actually sat down and taped those first two episodes about nine months ago. Jeez, that's crazy. And I remember at the time we were like, let's get like four or five of them done and then just put them all out at once. And we found it a little hard to get together, so we like waited a while and eventually it was like, all right, we just need to put these out and maybe that'll light a fire under us to do more. Right. And... That's why you're now hearing us nine months later, even though our podcast came out like a month ago. Welcome to technology, dude. Technology. <laughs> Time's um, irrelevant. Right. So what's some, I heard you got some good feedback on it. I got a lot of good feedback. Uh, you know, my, my mom and dad listen, but beyond them, I've had a lot of, a lot of musicians <laughs> have actually given me really good feedback. I've had a few people reach out to me and everyone said really good things. Um, just been really encouraging. I've even had people reach out to me wanting to, meet up and uh, like meet Mikey and I here in Nashville and grab coffee. And um, I didn't know what was actually going to come out of the first couple episodes and getting that kind of response right out of the gate was just super encouraging and um, like really excited to be back in this. Yeah, me too. You know, I didn't really know what to expect going into it, but then once we did those first two episodes, like you said, I, I, I remember sitting down and I think uh, my wife and I were driving to Memphis I don't know what mm-hmm. the heck. Yes, I do remember. We were going to see her family in Texas. This was like around um, Thanksgiving time. And I think you were like, hey, man, I did a couple of quick mixes of these. Tell me what you think. And she's not like, you know, you would think, okay, your wife's going to give you the highest of praise. But she's always just very honest with me. I think you can say That's the good. regards and the same to your wife, yeah. which is, you know, a really good quality. Honest and healthy. Um, and she's like, no, this is killer. Like, yeah, this is awesome. So, and, uh, she'll always tell me the truth. Cause there's been times I've been a part of stuff where she's like, Hey, you know, you might want to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> you have an honest wife. Yes. But, um, I mean, nine months, man, we should probably do a recap of kind of what's going on real quick before we jump into this yeah, new topic. Uh, definitely. A lot's, a lot's changed over the last nine months for both of us. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll kick it off. Yeah. You want to go first? That. Okay. Um, I have to say. Just full disclosure, um, within the last nine months, um, I have actually slightly transitioned out of playing live with bands the way that I was, and I have transitioned further into actually being on the music industry side of things, kind of working my job and doing some music tech startup things, and... As the result of that, um, I've actually taken a slight step out of actively pursuing playing live with bands. I'm still doing some recording stuff. I'm still tracking for bands, um, you know, on their songs. And I'm still subbing for bands occasionally, but I'm not doing the live thing full-time like I was. I've really transitioned into the music industry side of things over the last nine months. I still freelanced with bands for about six years prior to this, so I still feel like I have a lot to speak into and say about this. a lot to speak into, but I just want it to be known that this isn't my full-time thing at the moment. With that being said, Mikey's been crushing it for the last nine months. Thanks. So uh, 
me tell them what you've been doing because you've definitely gone further into things. It's kind of time. it's kind of funny. It's almost like you went one way and more into like like you said the technology and the, that side of the industry and like yeah, it's tech startup, which is awesome. Just saying, I'm super proud of Garrett. Like to see him grow That's has bad. been awesome. But um, let's see. Yeah, two thousand. Like if back then, nine months ago, what would that have been like? I'm thinking the last time we did those episodes was April or Mayish of 2019. That wasn't quite. Uh, I guess that would be about nine months ago. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I feel like it was probably probably right around late that May, time. early April. That was when things were really starting to ramp up for me personally. I started getting a lot of different calls. Like people would just you know text me, "Hey man, I got your number from so and so and so and so," and I kind of noticed that like the camps in the areas I was playing in or something or some things that like, you know, 2018 I was trying to obtain. So that was a really cool feeling. Awesome. Um, getting to play with, you know, a lot of artists in a lot of different camps that I never thought I'd be a part of. So the whole summer was just spent every weekend out. Um, it got to the point where, you know, at about August, there was like a transitional period. I had always had anywhere between one and three, you know, part-time jobs when I was in town. And it reached the point where my wife and I were having a discussion one night and she was like, you know, I, I think you should just quit your day jobs. Go for it. Just go for it. Cause I mean, it it finally made sense, you know, to be in that position. I feel super fortunate for that. Not just to be able to play, but, um, to feel like you're providing and doing what you love. It's a cool feeling. That's awesome. So yeah, thanks dude. Um, and then let's see, trying to recap some more. I think it was about mid-August I did a sub for an artist named Tennille Arts, and that's been kind of my full-time thing lately, which has been a lot of fun. We did the Today Show on, in January. I watched him on video playing in New York, and it was like the coolest thing to just watch him. Just I knew him right when he moved to Nashville, and he was like hustling for gigs and doing all these small things. And to watch his efforts like snowball into being on the Good Day Show was just like, it was such a cool, incredible thing to watch. So... That's awesome, man. Thanks, dude. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of just been 2020 has been busy already, which is great. Just playing a ton, you know. I'm still doing, so, you know, how, how it is right now is, which is funny because it's the topic we're going to talk about today. I'm definitely, you know, consider playing with Tennille full time, but I still have ins and odds and other artists I'm playing for too and definitely still trying to do a lot of that that freelance work too when it lines up with the calendar so yeah that's awesome that's that's actually a really good transition to what we wanted to talk about today which is how many artists should you or can you manage playing with at any given moment bum 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 <laughs> and every artist oh, wants it to be one topic. <laughs> <laughs> every artist is always going to want you to play exclusively with them right and uh you know some are understanding that you're probably going to play with some others and some aren't. And um, we've got some thoughts on that. But, yeah, we uh, definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, tell us tell us your experience, Garrett. What do you think? I mean, I think everybody goes through a phase where they're like, <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of guilt when other work there's, comes. There's and you're guilt. There's some weird some emotions, you know. Uncomfortable conversations that happen. Um you know, if you ever end up with the opportunity, I guess it's the opposite of the opportunity, but you end up stuck in a situation where, you know, two bands are trying to book a gig at the same time. And, you know, it, it's a weird thing because 
the more you can commit to a band, the more they're going to want to have you in and take care of you in the long run. But if you're still working with bands that are, that are moving their way up, if you give them your time exclusively and they don't go anywhere, then you're stuck. Right. So because you've presented yourself to other people yeah. that have reached out to you as like, this is what I'm doing. I appreciate the offer. Yeah. And it kind of, it kind of sucks, but that word spreads really fast. People are like, Oh, he's locked into this. Yeah. Which is why if you are in Nashville or you're wherever and you're freelancing, always make sure when you're talking to other musicians, if you are looking for gigs, if you're not, cause you're overbooked, that's fine. But if you are looking for gigs at all, make sure people know that and they don't think that just because you've got a band you're playing with that you are doing that full time because they might hear that you're playing with one cool artist and go like, oh, he's busy. But, you know, they might have five dates on the calendar that month and you've still got some room on weekends to do other gigs or, you know, run on tour (laughs) for a week or two. And um, if you want to fill in the gaps, working with more artists is the way to do that. To a point. To a point. <laughs> to a point. There is a, a point where there's too many artists. But. Have you experienced this point, Garrett? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I think we both have. Yeah. Uh, have you experienced? Yeah, you've experienced this. Oh, dude. When you got so many <laughs> fires going and then all of a sudden, yeah. You want to you go first on some of your experience sure. with that? Yeah. Um, so growing up, it was always easy when I had just original bands I was playing with because your band was your band. Yeah. That was, was kind of where it was your homies. Like that's all you were doing. And if you had a second band, it was cause you had two groups of friends and you right. just felt amazing. And uh, one group of friends always tacked trash on the other. Yeah. Like you were exactly. just trying to play drums. You're just playing, trying to play drums or bass or, or bass, whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, Guitar. so that was never an issue. I never really had a problem with it until I started doing it professionally. Right. And right when I started within a very short span of time, the first band I ever freelanced with was uh, this punk band in Sacramento, and they basically paid me to rehearse and to play probably about once or twice a month um, around town. It was a really low-pressure gig, but it paid insanely well. That's nice. Probably shouldn't have, but it did. But I had so many holes in my calendar, and I was teaching drum lessons, and I wanted a way to make more money with the weekend nights I had in town playing with bands. So I started kind of putting the word out there and I ended up getting picked up by a a country band in the area that was going to be playing one to two shows a month, which was great because then I had some practices going on every week and I'm now at two or three shows a month. Right. You know, they're far and they're, they're distant enough that I'm usually not running into an issue of double booking for sure, but I still had a lot of open dates. Right. So I found a second country band that was booked a little outside of Sacramento and this artist played four to six dates a month all around California. Here's and the conflicts. I <laughs> took it. And um, actually that went well for a while. And I realized that everything I was doing was a freelance project and there wasn't anything musically fulfilling my interests. Mm. So when a friend hit me up to actually start a band of music I wanted to play, I joined it. And then I was in about four projects playing somewhere between six and and 12 shows a month um, in addition to like teaching full-time trying to rehearse I was uh, newly married at the time that that snowballed or it might have been while I was engaged but there was just a lot to juggle and 
<coughs> I started hitting the point where I was getting double bookings. <clears throat> One band would book a show without running it by me. And when I'd find out about it, I'd say, hey, I'm already booked for that day. And I had a couple uncomfortable conversations with artists about how in are you on this? So I had oh, to develop. Oh man, that conversation. It was not. Oh man. Uh, and I had other bands that would hit me up to do sub work every now and then right. on top of it. And if I had the availability, I'd take it. So I was actually playing with more than four bands at the time, but four were like my regular gigs. Right. And um, so what I ended up doing was I I had my calendar on my website at the time, and whenever somebody would tell me about a gig, I would instantly go onto my website and put that I had a gig on the calendar on the internet so everybody could see it. And I told every band I played with, you can book me any day that is not showing up on that calendar. Smart. And so every band I worked with, they didn't have to run it by me first, but they had to check my calendar. And if it wasn't booked, they could book a date with me. And um, that actually ended up clearing up a lot of the confusion occasionally. That's good, yeah. um, I did have to get subs if two bands were playing the same date. But the band's always knew that that was going to be the situation prior to booking the gig. So they usually had a lot of notice. Um, and that worked, that worked very well for that time in my life. Was this California or Nashville? That was all California. Okay. okay. Um, when I moved to Nashville, I was going to say, uh, it's kind of a different flavor. Like it's a little different out here, uh, because I wasn't going on tour with bands necessarily. I might do an overnight run for a day or two, but it wasn't, it wasn't longer gigs. Out here in Nashville, um, it's a little harder to manage that. Uh, bands need to know they've got their person when they've got their person, yeah, uh, pretty well in advance. So I'll also say too, like what I've noticed is like, so you reach the point of getting that phone call in Nashville, and then if you're not, ninety percent of the artists in town or bands you can be a part of, if you can't play a gig, they they generally never take offense to it. Yeah. Um, and pr- I'm saying this in pre-asking like, Hey, I have this date coming up. Do you want to fill this seat? Um, and, and usually they don't take offense to that if you say no, because there's about 10 other guys, you know, that they got on their call list that they're going to call. But then, you know, once you reach that point where it's like, you're locked into a date, I mean, that's, that's another sticky situation in itself yeah. because you can be locked into something and then someone else that gives you a call that could potentially pay more or like, you know, yep is something more towards your field. But then, you know, I think one of the best pieces of advice I got from a friend of mine is like the integrity of your word. And yeah. I think that dwindles down the grapevine a lot more than someone that's jumping from gig to gig. You know what I mean? Totally. Man, I, you saying that gave me a, a flashback. It's a sad memory for me, oh, but no. I remember uh, <laughs> I had one of my artists called me and told me like, Hey, uh, I just checked your calendar. This was back in California. And he said, like, didn't see anything, so I booked this gig. It's um, It was a cover band gig at a pumpkin patch <laughs> just before Halloween. And it was like three hours away from where I live. And I was like, okay, whatever. I was playing so many big and small shows at the time that I didn't think much of it. And I get off the phone with him, and 10 minutes later, I get a call from another artist that I was occasionally subbing for. And I don't remember who they were opening for, but it it was like a Rascal Flats level artist. Oh my gosh. So you're like... And they were like, is there any way you can do this? Our drummer can't make the date. And I was like, I booked this 10 minutes ago. Let me go talk to the first artist. 
It's good. Like, okay, give me a call back in like 15 minutes because if you can't do it, I've got to track someone down. Right. And I remember I called back the first guy and he was like, I just signed a contract for this date. Like, his other sub was like out of the state or something. He's like, I really need you to do this. And it sucked. But I realized like I had to stick to my word on it. And so I ended up not playing the, he was a huge opener. Um, I can't remember who. And I remember pl- I played the pumpkin patch and there were pumpkins everywhere and kids running around. <laughs> and you're questioning, you're like, every decision I made. And we weren't, we weren't covered and it started <laughs> raining at the gig. We weren't on a stage. We were like playing in the dirt. And it was one of those moments I was like, what am I doing? Why am I here? <laughs> like, this sucks. But... The bands that I played with usually gave me the work. You know, it was a sub one that I turned down. Right. I got to have the gigs that I had consistently. Maybe I missed a couple really cool ones because I was locked into what I said I would do. But the reality was that most of my income came from the gigs that used me reliably. And so sticking to my word with those gigs, I think, really paid off in the long run. Totally. I think that's, yep, that's hilarious, dude. I think... Anybody listening to this podcast, if you haven't had a pumpkin patch situation, you're going to have one. Dude, <laughs> it just I've, happens. We should do an episode. Called the pumpkin patch. <laughs> called the pumpkin patch. And let's just talk about the worst gigs we've ever had. I I've got a laundry so list. Funny. Dude, I do too. <laughs> we'll do like best and worst gigs. Oh, man. Good day, America <laughs> and pumpkin patches. Oh, dude. Yeah. Good for you, dude. Like sticking to your word on it. <laughs> Um, it sucked at the time. That's the thing. So I, I think what we're trying to say is you can play for multiple different artists. If you're actually playing for an artist that starts to get territorial of you, which we've <laughs> we've both experienced. I've had, you know, a couple instances like that. Like I said, 90% of the time that doesn't happen. And in the time that it does happen, it is like a situation where like, you know, you're exclusively said, okay, I'm going to play for this person. And then you get, you know, you give your word because they're a busy, highly successful artist. And then, you know, you can't bounce around on that too much. Yeah. Especially when it comes to retainer and salary. Oh, if you're on retainer, I think that's, that's a different situation. Such a different situation. Um, but if you're playing with someone and you generally go up to them and we have both experienced this and you're like, hey, man or gal, I have offers on these, these weekends coming up. I know we're not doing anything. I'm going to jump on this. And there's like a territorial response in my own experience. It sucks to say this because that person may have been providing you with a financial income and a gain, but they don't have your best interest in heart. And I think in that situation, you need to start looking elsewhere. Yeah. I think when you get an artist that gets really territorial over you, it's one thing if they were a little bummed that there's a conflict on the day. Of course. I mean, that's right. But I think the issue is where if they don't seem like they're at least happy or excited for you having a good opportunity in what you're doing because of how it affects them, right? that's a red flag for working with that artist. And I think that's the point that you need to start thinking, is this really someone I want to play with in the long term? Right. If they're going to be aggressive about it, like, you know, if you're committed to that person and you've done every single date with them and... Um, I, I, I could be, you know, on the side of understanding if there was a conflict of interest every other weekend. Yeah. But if there's a weekend where they're not playing and you're like, cool, I'm going to go find other work. You absolutely should. You move yep. to town to make an income, to provide, to pay your mortgage, to pay, mm-hmm. 
to go to, you know, your student loans or whatever it is you're trying to do. The ultimate goal is to set yourself up for success. And that can sound, you know, kind of selfish and narcissistic, but at the same time, I mean, that's, it's a career. You have to make money. And I I will say one huge difference for me out here in Nashville versus being back in California doing what I was doing is I didn't know many people operating as professionally as I was back then, freelancing with lots of different people. And I I knew a couple, but not a lot. And out here, most of the musicians are doing that. And so the result is almost every band I've worked with knows that you aren't their only gig. And they're Absolutely. almost every artist I play with here has a like a roster of like these are my main two guitar players, but here's five more guys I can call if I need to. Here's my main bassist that I like to have, but if they can't make it, I've got two other people. I'll see if they're available because they might be playing in seven bands, right? But one of them's probably available, and um, they've got a list of drummers. And if you can't make it, it's usually not the end of the world, unless you're on retainer, in which case you should. Honor your retainer. Yeah, honor your um, honor your salary. Honor your retainer because that's that's something yep. you don't normally get. Yep. You know that's something we're all that's, striving to have. That um, is rare. And even in that case, I mean, if if you're if you're on a salaried gig, you know that is the one instance where like if say you have a, a whole three month tour booked up, right? And there's a couple of gaps in it, um, and you go ahead and fill those gaps. If something comes up in between those gaps, that is the one circumstance where I will say you have to honor. The salaried retainered artist, because at that point, yep. that's that's your career artist. That's your artist you're going to be with for five to ten years, hopefully. You know, if everything is great. Like I've, you know, you meet people. Like I've had a conversation with a guy in Scotty McCreary's band, and he's like, I've been here for six years, and it's like, he's really diligent. He works a lot. He takes care of his guys, so they go ahead and put him as top priority. Yeah. Whereas when you're first in that season of bouncing around from artist to artist. You should absolutely, absolutely not feel bad and feel some kind of guilty pressure of taking a gig. Yeah, it's and and this and vice versa. You should not hold on to those gigs with such a tight fist because yep. there is your friends that want to have work too. So if you can pass along names, it makes this community and like you almost have this class that that I've heard it put like that you yeah. can all rise up and mm. graduate with or whatever. But which I think is a cool concept. But yeah. Well, and I think out here too, like if you're an artist listening to this and I would like you, to hear that perspective, <laughs> I, I would, because I've, I've heard artists mumble about this and to different degrees of understanding, but I think at least out here in Nashville, actually outside of this too, if you have an artist or a, a member of your band who is playing with multiple artists, that probably means you have a pretty solid musician in your band. Right. If they are willing to put all of their stock just in you, they either truly, truly, truly believe in you and they're probably a yes man, or they aren't talented or hustling enough to have other gigs, or they are brand new to the city. Right. Uh, because I know when I was brand new, I, I landed well, first you gig, your first and gig. I clinched onto that thing, man, and I was like, this is it, this is it. And when I started getting other work, I was like, my hand kind of loosened up, and I was like, my eyes opened. I was like, maybe this is the ebb and flow of it and the freelance and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, man. What other, uh, what other thoughts do you have on playing with multiple others? I'm trying to think if there's anything I, I want to say too. that I haven't hit yet. Um, in all circumstances, always, like we said, honor your word. If you've committed to something, always be very thankful for the gig, even if it's a pumpkin patch. 
That is absolutely true. Always yeah. be thankful for it. If it's raining and it's a pumpkin patch, like, and you're missing out on some headliner gig, the fact that you had multiple people calling you is cool. Yeah. And the fact that you're still getting paid to play music, even if it's not glamorous, is really cool. I mean, you look around the world and there are people that don't get to choose their jobs or have to like work in really bad conditions out of necessity mm-hmm. for probably less than like I pay for one meal every day. And the fact that we get to like do something as fun and cool as music and get paid for it is incredible. Dude, I take that for granted so, on a daily basis. Yeah, it's easy to I wasn't do. Gonna lie. But um, you know, you could be flipping burgers or you could be like working in a sweatshop and instead you get to like play guitar or do whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. And that's that's a beautiful <clears throat> thing. Hmm. Well, I don't know what else we can say about this one. <laughs> so play for everyone. <laughs> Take uh, lots of shots. <laughs> take lots of shots. You know, the more... Uh, one other thing I will say is the more bands you play with while you're here too, you're going to meet more people through those bands because there's going to be three to six people in whatever project you're working with. Mm-hmm. So if you play with multiple bands, you're going to exponentially meet more people that might pull you into more gigs. So if you're looking for your opportunities to snowball, even beyond the pay that may come with a gig, the network effect of playing with multiple people is probably going to open more doors for you in the long run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your name will get tossed around into certain various camps. I mean, just by being at shows that you wouldn't have been on before Mm or being in a network of different musicians. And I will say too, I mean, just like I'm really good friends with Garrett, it's created, you know, some of the best friendships too. Definitely. Um, Should we wrap it? Yeah. You'd think with like nine months of thinking about how to record these since we sat down to do the last one, like you'd think at some point in that span of time we would have figured out how we actually wanted to end our episodes. <laughs> we still haven't figured <laughs> we that out. <laughs> we even sat in Garrett's kitchen and I was like, you still got that list of topics? Yeah, we have a little running list of topics that we go through. We don't like super plan these out. We just kind of get in front of microphones with a general topic. Literally, the idea was like we said, we're sitting in a van, bus, plane, whatever, and we had these conversations and we were like, let's make this into a podcast. So we're trying to have it like we're talking about it in real life. So So I'm going to delegate to Mikey on this. Do you want to do you want to land this episode? Yeah, let's land it. Um, Yeah, this concludes episode two of the backing band podcast. Um, kind of a recap and (laughs) (laughs) Mikey just said episode two, this is episode three. That's how we're going to end every episode. (laughs) We're going to call it the wrong number. My friend. This was episode three of the backing band podcast. Thanks for joining us.